that. So uh, Memorial Day, and uh, I'm just going to get the awkwardness out uh, right off the beginning. Um, when we were planning for this Sunday, it was before the the tragedy and, and all of that. We were going to do sort of a lighthearted deal about travel and all of that. Um, and then uh, we have the Uvalde situation along with everything else in the world. Um, I believe I've found a way to sort of weave those together, but I'm just going to tell you my sermon is not going to flow this morning. Um, and so, uh, but hopefully uh, through the Holy Spirit, uh, we might hear his voice and uh, be comforted by that. So we, we are calling this um, travel light essentials for uh, uh, summer essentials for spiritual growth. And my original idea on that was, you know, uh, in the summer, a lot of us will travel with our families and that brings a lot of challenges uh, with that, right? Uh, those people that you love so very much are also those people that you could kill at some point um, because they get on your last nerve. And uh, uh, and that journey has its own uh, challenges to it. Well, sort of quickly spinning that where where we where we're going with this series is that as Christian family, and this church is family, and not just this church, but uh, we are brothers and sisters with people all over this world who have agreed that Jesus Christ is Lord and we are all seeking him. They're not, they're not all Methodists. They, they come in all different flavors and, and colors and traditions, but we are all united in, in that as we travel together. And our journey as Christians is from that place where we were and that person we used to be into the place where he wants us to be and to become the people that he enables us to be. As we travel that journey, we need the same kind of grace that we do in traveling with our family. That at times, those people sitting right next to you will get on your last nerve. And if they haven't, they've gotten on mine. And church can be church can be a difficult place if if we have the idea that church is filled with beautiful loving people that already have all their problems worked out you're in the wrong place that's a different denomination we don't do that here <laughs> but in that as we learn to travel with one another. Um, our lives can be enriched. I originally entitled this uh, Filler Up. And, and my, my, my sort of thought with that was around the idea that this year as we travel, uh, everyone's going to have to figure out how many mortgages on their house they're going to take out to afford the fuel uh, for that, right? We need to fill up. If we're going to get ready to go on a journey, you've got to fill the car up. You've got to fill up your plans. You've got to make sure you've got your reservations, all of that stuff. Well, as the 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 people of God traveling towards Christ, the thing we need to fill ourselves up with is the power of the Holy Spirit. Next week is Pentecost. Pentecost is that time uh, after Jesus had met with his disciples, told them, come back, I'm going to meet you here. Uh, and and, and had, 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 had ascended. Well, the week after that, they were gathered and in the midst of their meeting, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And everyone was filled with it. And it marked a new beginning of the people of God that anyone and everyone who knows Jesus 
who has a relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, also receives the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is that power of resurrection, that power of new life, that power of promise, that power of presence, power of healing, the power of joy, power of love. That power lives within us. And if we are going to, if we're going to travel on our journey in a way that brings glory to God, we need to fill up with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be in Second Peter. Second Peter, uh, chapter one, beginning verse three. <clears throat> By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Peter uh, is writing to the early church to remind them of, of this thing called Christianity, of how we pursue that. And in that, he begins by saying, everything that we need, everything we need for a godly life has already been provided for us. Everything we need, God has done. It's a gift from Him. Uh, Over the last six months in the series I've been doing, I've said it over and over, it is not our willpower, it's not our actions, it's not our effort that's going to win us salvation. That is God's work alone. We, We have no possible way of going from who we were to who He wants us to be in our own in our own power. It doesn't happen. We don't possess the bandwidth in in order to make that happen. The evilness that lurks inside of us, that sin nature, that bent within us that always messes up, that uh, there is no way that we can go from being apart from God to being with God without His help. That's what we call grace. It's a gift given to us. I've said, it's not our effort. You can try all you want, but without the help of God, it's not going to do any good for you. Well, over those six months, I've had some folks come to me and say, well, wait a minute. 
So you're saying it's all God's thing. So does that mean we don't have to do anything? It just happens to us? And if Paul were here, he'd say, of course not, you stupid idiot. No, that's not what he would say. That's probably what he would say. They just didn't include that in the scripture. But no, 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 no. I mean, a lot of you have heard the, the phrase, let go, let God. Have you ever heard that theology, right? Let go, let God. Well, that there's a place that applies. If you're worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow, let go, let God. You have no power over tomorrow, right? But the whole idea of just sort of growth by by hanging out, growth by just by osmosis doesn't happen. There is a participation in which we take what God has done for us and we enter into working it out, putting it into practice. If if we could do it on our own, then Jesus dying makes no sense, right? The, The reason Jesus died was because that's our only hope to live at peace with God. But since he's done that, now we have a responsibility to take that gift he's given us, not just sit back and say, oh, come on, God, change me. And by the way, if if you're going to do this, it takes more than uh, minimal effort. It it is an everyday proposition. It's It's seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 356 days a year, every day giving ourselves over to him, trying to take what he's given us and making it work in our lives. It doesn't, it's not, you're not going to accomplish what you're after by coming to church once a week or the norms now are once every six weeks. You're not going to accomplish that. I don't care if you go to Bible study every week. That's not going to accomplish it for you. It is through the power of God. He did the work. He did the effort. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He's now extended to us the ability to move from who we were to who he wants us to be. But in that, we have a responsibility to work it out as well. This is what he says. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. What are some of those promises? I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Your sins are going to be forgiven. You can now have a new life. The old is gone. The new has come. Those promises are the fuel for which we can live our life. They're the, they're the, the guiding light that we aim at as we try to live out our life. It's not just by let go, let God, let him do it, but it's by aiming ourselves and then walking toward that. Verse five, in view of all of this, make every effort. In view of all of this, make every effort. Make every effort. Effort is the work we do with the grace that God has given for us. Paul says it in a different way in Philippians, work out your own salvation. The Lord will see it to completion, but we have a responsibility to work on our own salvation. When people give you an expensive gift, You don't just throw it in the trash. 
You don't just set it aside. You you use it and make the best use of it. That's how you show gratitude for it. And this great thing God has given to us requires that we we value it enough to put it into practice. Make every effort to respond to God's promises, those promises of new life, of forgiveness of sin, of a place to go when we when we die, of a presence that will never leave us or go away from us. And then Peter goes through this list of things. He's almost like a cook uh, adding ingredients. He says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. It's going to be sort of like a recipe. First, you take faith with a little generous, right? That's That's what he's doing. He's building a recipe, right? So supplement your faith. Faith is that trust. Faith is leaning on him. Faith is that even though I I don't have power, but I believe you do, so I'm going to put the weight of my life into your hands. Supplement your faith with moral excellence, right? We have a conscience, and it's broken, and, and we saw on display this week how how horrible human nature can be and folks don't get cocky because we're none of us are far from that it's only the grace of god that that changes that part of the thing that happens when we place our our faith in god is that he heals us that new life is not just a a promise and a ticket to heaven it is a it is a becoming whole that he fixes our our spirit and the way we think moral excellence we 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 try to do the thing that's right in, in the Methodist Church, uh, John Wesley early on wrote three rules for, for clergy. The number one rule for clergy, do no harm, right? It's that simple. Do no harm. How can we, how can we go in life showing the moral excellence that we are trying to benefit others, not do harm to one another? So supplement your faith with moral excellence. And then moral excellence with knowledge. Add some knowledge to it. We don't just we don't just play it by ear. This isn't jazz music where we just improvise. We we want knowledge of who God is and who He's calling us to be. Knowledge is important to us. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we worship and teach from the Word. It's so that we we have a better picture of who He is. Again, that stuff on its own not going to change anything. You can you can do Bible study all day and still miss the mark as far as a Christian. You can be so heavenly minded you're no earthly good. Right? If your if your Bible study and your worship and doesn't lead you into a pathway of loving others and into a pathway of of treating other people with respect and kindness, go back and read it again. So moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control. You don't always have to get everything you want. You don't always have to say everything that comes to mind. With patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness or holiness and holiness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for 
everyone. This roundabout way where Peter goes, he's, he's taking us to what Christian maturity looks like. This journey that we're on, this trip that we're traveling, and it starts with faith in God. It ends in us loving our neighbor as ourself. That's what this thing is about. That's, what, that's the journey we're on, is learning to love one another. He says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd love to be a useful Christian instead of a clanging cymbal or a hypocritical voice or a judgmental bigot. Our knowledge of God is meant to connect us with people, not put up a block between them. The more we learn to love like God, the more we become like God, and the more our journey is complete. So dear brothers and sisters, verse 10, dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is our journey, folks. This is where we're going. This is that destination on the map that we're planning for. It's not, it's not about the, the heavenly realms. That will come eventually. It's about in my life now, how can I journey in a way? How, where am I headed on my road as I'm traveling with those around me? Where am I heading that I can use moral excellence and patience and kindness, brotherly affection and love? Because those are the things that the promises of God are supposed to change. He has authority over me and He's given me and you everything we need to live the life He has for us. Hard turn. But our world isn't the way it should be. Things aren't right. It's not just about Uvalde. It's, It's in everything. We're, we're watching a war unfold on and on in Ukraine. We have to watch images of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard as if that's important news for us and so important for our, our well-being. We argue over politics. We complain about the price of gas. We send hateful emails to one another because our feelings got hurt. We take our politics and try to push it on everyone else. We take the tragedy of children down in a classroom and turn it into our political stone. The brokenness is everywhere. There's there's times where... in that last series, I talked about how the presence of God just thin the veil. The distance between God and us was thin. That He's so remarkably close to us. But in times like this, it seems the veil 
In times like this, it seems the veil has grown wider than ever. I sent out an email uh, early this week in response to the, the shooting, and I used Psalm 13, and the first verse of that psalm is, How long, O Lord? How long? But that, that, that's the cry of people throughout the Old Testament. Under slavery, of Pharaoh, how long? Oh, Lord, have you forgotten us? It was a cry during the dispersion as, as the Israelites had been broken and their enemies had come in and overtaken them. How long, oh God? It was a cry of King David, who even in his anointing felt abandoned and that God had turned his face from him. It was a cry of the people moving into the New Testament age as they were waiting on a Messiah. How long? Oh God, it was the cry of the early church once their Savior had died and been risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. How long, oh God, before you come back? And it continues to be the cry of people today. How long? How long are we going to have to watch stuff? How many more? When are we ever going to learn? And our immediate response is, what can we do? And I just want to take you back to that Second Peter passage. God has provided us everything we need for a godly life. Ultimately, our ideas, our thoughts, our solutions, here's how humanity go. We take a bad thing and make it worse, not better. David, King David wrote in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with the anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall, but I trust in your unfailing love. And I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. How long, O God? How long? Evil is a real thing. And there's only one person who's going to conquer evil. They're not going to be president of the United States. They're not going to hold any political office. They reign over all things, Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, King of Kings, Prince of Peace, Almighty God, Wonderful Counselor. See, one of those promises that we aim at tells us that eventually all things will be made new. Evil has its way right now. It's horrific, ugly, horrible way. But God has won victory over evil. 
That's why in Revelation 21, we see a picture of of our life with Christ, that destination that we're heading to where there is no crying, there is no pain, there is no death, there is no sorrow because the evil in this world is because of our sin and our rebellion. He's going to conquer that. And how will he conquer it? It's by love. I know it sounds trite and it sounds like a 70s um, a love song or something, but love, it really is the thing that will save us. It's why Peter was aiming us at that. Take your faith, mix it with your effort, mix it with moral excellence, mix it with self-control, mix all that, and where it ends up, you end up in a place where you are loved and you love others. Love will conquer all. Evil will be defeated, but that That sounds empty right now because we've all seen horrible images. Too many times. Too many times. David is the one who wrote this. David knew what it felt like to feel abandoned by God, to feel like he'd turned his face away from him. And he cries out, how long, O Lord? How long are you going to ignore me? When when are you going to turn your face back to me? God, my eyes have lost their sparkle. Because it seems like nothing is going the way it should. And if you notice, there's not an answer from the throne. There's not a resolution to the problem. There's not, therefore, I'm going to do, 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 and then everything will be okay. That's not how it goes. It goes from his heartache and pouring it out. but I will trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he's good. It wasn't true yet that he was putting himself in that position. Over and over in the the scriptures, praise is related to music, right? Right? We sing our songs of praise to the Lord. We lift our voices up to the Lord. And when we, when we do that in joy, like on an Easter Sunday, there's a power in that. And, and there's this warmth and there's this, this camaraderie that comes from that. And there's this pride that comes from that. When things are going good, we sing our song of praise. But what David's suggesting here is that he's going to sing a song even when he doesn't feel like it. even when his eyes have lost their sparkle and his heart has lost its melody. He's going to sing a song to the Lord. Music has this this amazing way of allowing our spirit and our inner self to express itself. And it may be even in, maybe especially in the darkest moments, singing praise could be healing. I've asked Kaylee to sing us a song this morning. It's called, uh, Even When It Hurts. And as she sings, I, I invite you. I, we didn't do a special prayer vigil because this is our family and this is our prayer vigil here. There is tonight at Barnett Chapel uh, in the Doyle community. They're having a prayer service at 5 o'clock and uh, you're invited to that if you'd like to attend that. 
But this is our response. This is our this is our reflection. I encourage you, as you hear these words, they're going to be on the screen so you can read them as well. That you use this time to ask the question, how long, O Lord?
Even when the fight is won, I'll praise you. Even when my time on earth is done, louder than I'll sing your praise. I will only sing your Pray with me. God, our hearts are. We feel unrest in our soul. This nagging cry just comes out of us. How much longer? How many more? How many times? And in our pride, we begin to think that there's something that we can do to make a difference. And while Peter taught us that, yes, our effort is required, we are reminded that, God, the best thing we can do is turn to you. Yes, we need to put our effort, and yes, we need to make every effort to make changes to our society, but ultimately, God, we need you. Forgive us. God, forgive us as a culture that is so selfish and self-centered. Forgive us for our ability to look past the most vulnerable in our society. Forgive us for taking a human tragedy and turning it into a political platform. We pray for the victims of this shooting. And God, there's numerous others that we could add to that. For parents and loved ones who are experiencing loss and tragedy. For teachers and administrators who going back to work is going to be traumatic. Our community has been rocked to its core. For all of us. So we get that all too picture of just how deviant we are. But God, our only hope is you.
Allow your light to shine into the darkness. And God, we look forward to having the sparkle come back into our eyes and having your melody in our hearts. We pray that in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.